Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Enjoy the show. Brokers, are you looking for the best resources to succeed? The AIM member portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Get healthcare for your team, submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues, join the referral list, change AEs, and obtain exclusive discounts. And you will have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait and sign up today at brokersarebetter.com. Welcome to Broker to Broker. Brought to you by AIM, Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. I am your host, J.P. Hussey of the Hussey Team Mortgage Advisors. And today, I'm going to be hanging out with Sean Williams, founder and president of Fortis. Is it Fortis Mortgage? Uh, yeah, you said it right, Fortis right, Mortgage. Cool. Fortis. How are you, man? Everybody good? Yeah, everybody's great. Uh, no complaints. Uh, no complaints at all. J.P., thank you uh, so much for uh, having me today, being a gracious host. Um been uh listening to the uh podcast oh, uh quite a bit so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it and uh you uh you've done a great job um uh with it, you and mark and so cool. i just wanted to uh first and foremost uh start by thanking you uh for the opportunity and uh, also thanking aim uh as well so uh so yeah everything's great cool i appreciate it i'll let you in on a a little secret they they just book them i just walk in here so I don't know what the hell's going on, Sean. Uh, <laughs> no, but we have fun. Um, and that hey, that means a lot coming from you because, like I was saying, uh, do a, we don't know each other too well. I do a little bit of research, but I want to keep this as real as possible on here. And coming from you, that you, you worked at NPR, right? You've done, you've hosted podcasts. So hey, I appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you. Yeah, like I said earlier, I dude, I don't take myself that seriously. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I you know. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, well, uh, a lot to unpack here, because um, like I was saying, doing a little bit of research, a couple things popped up. Like you said, we don't take each other seriously too well and uh, too much, and mortgages can be boring, right? So um, just getting to know you a bit, that stood out to me. Uh, former college point guard, that's cool. I coach, you know, travel teams. My 10-year-old's playing. We're doing well. Uh, so that was cool when, when that popped up. So I know what you played two years in college. Am I uh, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I was a, uh, I was a better like, um, you know, middle school and high school athlete. So uh, so uh, did did pretty well in uh, high school. And then I got to college and uh, um, ended up playing one season at a Division three school. Uh-huh. Um, the crazy thing is, is is this is a whole another story about how yeah. I landed at that school kind of last minute. I had to eat crow. It was the first school that actually recruited me um, in high school. And so I had a situation where I was supposed to go to another college, JP. Mm-hmm. And I go for the summer and I work out with my um, soon to be uh, college basketball coach. And I get home and my mom, she's uh, she's she's sitting at the table uh, from me working at a uh, I worked at Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, at a Philadelphia 76ers basketball hey, camp. That's I'm a Philly right. guy. Philly. <laughs> and, and so so I, I, I get home and she's sitting at the at the kitchen table after I had that long bus ride and she, she's not doing well. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she hands me an envelope and uh, the envelope was tuition. Because, uh-huh. you know, Division three athletics, you don't get uh-huh. like, no. you know, you don't get athletic scholarships. Mm. And so um, I was uh, the thing was, is this school was out of state. 
So they cover me for uh, the in-state portion, right? Cool. And but there's a difference, a gap between sure. you know in-state versus out-of-state. But no one really realized that while we were going through the process. And so I was having to come up with this pretty large amount of money uh, mm-hmm. from from you know that time until I was supposed to enroll in school. I'd already gone for orientation, enrolled in classes, had a roommate, all that good stuff. Uh-huh. And it was like, all right, you got a week or two weeks to come up with this money. Mm-hmm. And so I say all that to say. We couldn't come up with the money, and I had to call the first coach that ever recruited oh, me and say, hey, listen, I don't want to stay home. If I stay home, it's not going to be good for me. I <laughs> got to get away, and I need to go to college. I'm not you know, thinking about the NBA, uh-huh. so I don't need to go to JUCO and do uh-huh. all that stuff. I just want to be a college student. Will you have me? So uh, he said yes. So I go to school, JP, and uh-huh. um, I'm a freshman, and our starting point guard is a Division three basketball all-American as point guard, 28 nice. points and nine assists. Nice. So how am I going to match that production? <laughs> and so I lasted one season there, and I said, you know what, man, like, forget basketball. Let me just go to college. And so I transferred to uh, George Mason University. Yeah. And uh, I, was, I don't know, I was playing basketball in the field house and, uh, you know, doing some intramural stuff, and I got sucked back into playing basketball. So I was a walk-on at George Mason ah, nice. George Mason University and so those were the two years that I played in college yep oh that's cool I mean George Mason that, that that's a d1 school am I right yeah division yeah. one we yeah. went to the final four back in 2005 yeah, yeah. I remember I remember yeah hey that hey that's a that's a that's a great story um and not not to spend too much on that but one of our other assistant coaches Kelly Dunbar she runs uh athletics at Monco Montgomery County Community College and they're they're number one. They're they're top three in the country, uh, Monco right now. Oh wow! And we went to a couple games, and they you know they played a D three school, and it was funny because the community college kids they get nothing, zero. That's right. Right. That's right. The D three kids, might, like you said, might get something. You know, not everything. Not like a D two D one, but um, it was a fun matchup. The the community college kids going against the D three, and I think they lost by like a point. But I mean, it was it was chippy because one. Some kids are getting paid and some are not. So, you know, so it was right. cool. It was cool. But I could talk about that all day, but I know that's not, that's not why we're here. It's all right. Um, we're getting to know each other, sir. Yeah, no, I like this. Um, actually, one thing that just thinking of that, being a point guard um, and everything that you do now, would you say that being a point guard kind of, you know, helped you be a better leader in today's world a little bit at least? Yeah, JP, I just want to win the game, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a point guard, like the, the, the whole thing was for, for me, at least being a competitor, I just wanted to win the game. I don't care who scores. I don't care who gets in the newspapers, anything like that. I want to do what I can to facilitate the basketball, um, and, and, and get the, you know, the right shots on the court to be sure that we're in the right sets, all that stuff and relay the information from the coach to the team. And so, um, for me, it was always about like winning, doing what I had to do to win the game. Yeah. And say so kind of that relates to business. I always said, you know, being an athlete myself, um, just uh, that's really helped in what I do now. I just kind of translate a lot of that over, which is, yeah. cool, you know, yeah. that's cool. A um, couple other things uh, that I noticed, uh, certified speaker, Eric Thomas, right? I mean, most people know him. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I love seeing the clips. I think that's cool. I had to bring this out. One of my buddies got me this. Um, oh, yeah. Boy, 
you know, it's black and white hat. I mean, when I think of Eric Thomas, I think of that black and white hat he wears. Um, And uh, that's really cool. Um, You don't have to go into that too much, but I wanted to bring that up. I'm sure uh, uh, that means a lot to you. And and then two nonprofits that I believe you founded both of them, right? Um, Yeah, uh, Black Men Ventures and Kid from Green, right? Um, I love if you touched on that really quick because I, I, I do a lot with the community as well. And uh, hey, we're doing pretty good financially, and it's always good to give back and, and do those things. Um, so if you want to touch on that real quick, I'd love to hear about that before we get into some of that nitty and the gritty. Got you. So uh, E.T., Eric Thomas, uh, better known as E.T., the hip-hop mm-hmm. preacher, um, uh, number one motivational speaker in the world. So uh, that real quick helped me. Um, I realized that, J.P., I needed to be a better communicator. And that um, my career, my life, and a lot would, would be a lot better if I was able to be a better communicator. But I wanted to do it in an authentic and natural way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's how I got involved uh, with that particular community. Uh, then Black Men Ventures uh, came about. Um, a, a really good friend of mine, he's a uh, uh, Grammy-nominated artist. He's had a viral situation going uh, with a wedding that he did. Um, uh, uh, and so anyway, I say all to say, he um, did a song and the song was around the time where we had some uh, some, some some issues uh, in, in the world, like mm-hmm. going on with, uh, you know, unarmed black men being killed mm-hmm. or just just in general. Right. So we sure. all know what happened um, mm-hmm. with, with with everything. And so he wrote a song and it was really about like, how can we as a community come together and uplift and, 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 and support each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so from that there was an organization called Black Girl Ventures. They're huge and they provide access to capital for uh, black and uh, brown women founders. Mm -hmm. So she suggested that he start an organization to do the same thing for men. And so um, uh, what we did is our mission with this organization is to create access to capital. So whether that's human, like relationships like you and I are having, right? Mm -hmm. Or we have, um, or money. Um, And so with that, we created, an organization that does that for for anyone that identifies as being a black male, 51% greater or, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, ownership, mm-hmm. and less than a million dollars in gross uh, uh, revenue. Oh, cool. Okay. And so with that, JP, real quick, we do a uh, pitch competition. The pitch competition that we do is a mixture, a combination of Shark Tank and crowdfunding, right? And so the judges don't determine whether you win or not. Mm-hmm. It's the crowdfunding piece where cool. each each vote that comes in. Uh, counts as a particular vote to allow the person with the most votes to win. What we do is in addition to the grand prize, first, second, and third place prizes that we do, we um, we share those votes. So if someone gets $10,000 worth of votes, we take a small portion of it, and then mm-hmm. they get to keep the rest of it. So it's just a way for them to uh, to generate some capital. So that's Black Men Ventures. That's cool. Uh, kid from Green. We might talk about this in, in, later on, but mm-hmm. you know, I've always wanted to make my community proud, and so that's my hometown. I'm from a small town called Green County. Okay, right? that's, that's what I okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, what we do with that? Because I, I just remember my mom. I never missed a game. I never missed practice. I was always on time mm-hmm. and stuff for my extracurricular mm-hmm. activity. So what we're doing with that is providing transportation services to at-risk youth uh, in our in our county and. We'll see where that goes with financial education and things mm-hmm. of that nature, but that's uh that's a new venture. So yeah, that's those are the the ET 
the uh, Black Men Adventures and Kid from Green. Nice, man. No, thanks for for explaining. I think I think um, all of that's very important. I mean, we could be on this podcast talking about mortgages all day, but like we know, mortgages are boring. Uh, mortgages can suck a little bit, um, but it also provides uh, 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 good financials there to go and do things that we're truly passionate about. If anybody tells you the only thing they're passionate about is mortgages, then I think they're lying to you. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, so we have a we have a very good platform to do that. So um, but so that's cool. That's cool. Um, but and JP, I see you doing a lot out there, sir. Like uh, you know, with the food, I think that's a, a brilliant idea, and it's um, it's admirable that you do that. And I I just love the fact that uh, you know, you're able to give back to the community that way. So uh, kudos to you for that, man. I I appreciate that. I'm I'm glad other people are seeing that. I hope it uh, it motivates some other people around the country in not just our industry, but maybe our industry to maybe do the same so um that's cool so i'm glad uh i'm glad we're talking about that and thank you um if we do jump in to the board the the boring mortgage side a bit right um we no, do want to know we do want to know that background um so i'd like to know I, I know it was you were at npr and then after that you got into the mortgage game i think right but if you could take us back to about that 15 years or so how you started and what led to to where you're at now oh man like uh i don't know like so with eric thomas i learned to kind of you know tell stories to wrap things in and so uh when i went through that that program i they were like always wanting you to find a niche like who are you and what are you going to talk about like what's that thing that you're known for and I, I struggled. I struggled so badly because I didn't want to talk about mortgages because it's something we do all the time. And you look at it as being like, just, I don't know. It's just like you take it for granted. It's like you do it in your sleep. It's boring. Like, right. Um, and so with me, the story that I want to tell today about how I got in is uh, you heard of Elvis Presley before, I'm sure. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so growing up, uh, me and this dude um, that I grew up with, uh, known him since I was in the sixth grade, rest in peace too. Um, but uh, we were on the uh, uh, since I was six years old, not the sixth grade, but six years old. And uh, I remember vaguely, I guess we were probably about 10, 12 years old. Uh, JP, we were on the pra playground and just over and over again, we kept singing the chorus to Blue Suede Shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, one for the money, two for the show. Yeah, yeah. Ready, get ready now. Go, cat, go. Mm -hmm. So I, I personally like the outcast version when they do it, like yep. the hip hop version. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but uh we were singing that over and over again. And so I'm telling you this story because it was a guy that was my best friend. And, oh, you know, during that time, we talked about going to college. And at the time, we were talking about Harvard University because we knew that was supposedly the best school yeah. and we had our sights set high, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then me, for whatever reason, I'm just like, dude, I always want, I just want to make the community proud. I want to give back. One day I want to help people get jobs and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward, 2005, my grandmother, um, she she passes away. She I was raised by a single mother. I always mm -hmm. give my mom credit for that because I always mm -hmm. want to make her proud. Um, and so, um, uh, my and my grandparents were a big part of my life. And so in 2005, my grandmother she passed away, and uh, and during that time it was a time of grief for me because she meant mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. And so naturally, my best friend that I've known since uh, you know six years old was there in my life. He, JP, was one of the top five originators in the country, ah. uh, Scotsman's Guide at the time. And, mm -hmm. and and we were talking a lot. And I was in the insurance business. So I went from NPR 
to uh, insurance and I was selling group life insurance and disability yep. and dental and stuff like that, the ancillary products. And uh, he's like, man, you remember, man, we when you were growing up, you used to talk about how you wanted to give back to the community and how you wanted to help people and specifically your community. He didn't look like me. And he's like, dude, I, I got it. He's like, I'm on something. And he's like, he's like, man, like, this is the perfect way to help people build well. And Sean, we make a lot of money to do it. They pay us well to do this. Yeah. And uh, so JP at the time, he's like, um, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll listen to it. And I'm like, well, I get a base salary now at this job that I have. You're going to pay me that. He's like, nope. And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, well, I get a car allowance too. You got me? Nah, nope. Uh, nope. And uh, I said, uh, well, I take people out to play dinner and we play golf and things like that. Because at the time I had gotten into golf. And uh, and then he, I'm like, you want to cover that stuff? He's like, nope. And I was like, well, <laughs> well what are you going to do for me? He was like, I tell you what, Sean, I'm going to lead you to the water uh -huh. and you're going to drink. But not only are you going to drink, you're going to think. And I was like, ah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, he said, JP said, oh, by the way, I'm going to pay you reduced commission. But mm -hmm. you're gonna make the most money you ever made in your life. Yep. And yep. true story, like uh, that happened that that year, and that was back in 2005. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. is when I got into the business. Uh, you know, obviously things were really good back then. I rode the wave up. I didn't realize it was, you know, gonna crest. Mm -hmm. And then you know, came through. And then back in, uh, you know, I worked for different companies uh, throughout the years, but. Uh, just a few memorable ones. I started a branch. Uh, I got into management. My first like real branch management experience back in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, rolled that out for a while. Then I became a district manager for a company back in uh, <clears throat> uh, 2014. I did that for uh, for a while. And then in uh, 2018, I uh, got into executive leadership and was uh, head of production and executive vice president for a company. Uh, and then, you know, I started the uh, uh, the brokerage that we have for this mortgage mm -hmm. uh, back in, uh, uh, let me see, the end of 2018. And we did our first mortgage in 2019, beginning okay. of 2019. So that's where we're at now. Um, it's same same type of path, <laughs> not not everything with a friend and this or that. But uh, but I was in insurance. We started our um, uh, little brokerage here in 2018, closed our first loan in 2019. Um, so I'm right there with you. Um, now, you really... You went through everything. You started as just a small LO, figuring it out. You built your way all the way through. You climbed that the ladder. Um, and then what made you decide you wanted to open up your own brokerage? Are, like, are you producing too right now or no? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, okay. I, I, I was really like my hand got forced because I was, uh, you know, in executive leadership. That was in 2018, margin compressions, all sure, kinds of remember. stuff going on. And so – so we uh we parted ways with the, the last company I was with and then so I'm 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 sitting back reevaluating everything like what do I want to do? Do I want to stay in executive leadership, right? And I want to rely on everybody to mm -hmm. control my destiny, so to speak. Yep. You know, to a certain extent you control your own destiny in those seats, right? Mm -hmm. Um, do I want to sit at a table um and have a, an amazing seat at the table, but re really not much of a voice, right? Mm -hmm. Um, or do I want to go out and and I it's you know. I know we're down to earth, but I, do I want to slang loans, right? Again, right. do I want to be a loan officer, yeah. right? Do I uh, do I want to start a branch and build up a branch for someone or something or some other company? Mm -hmm. And so I saw this guy, one another one of my friends, you know, LinkedIn tells you a lot of stuff. And mm -hmm. so 
on LinkedIn, it said, uh, it said, uh, uh, congratulate such and such president of this company. And we had worked together in the past and I, I called him up and I was like, dude, this is awesome, man. Like mm-hmm. you're the president of a company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's like, she's like, Sean is my company. And I was like, well, okay. And so he started to take me down the path that he had become a broker. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and, and he, and he kind of shared his P and L with me, he shared a bunch of stuff that he was doing, tech stack, all that good stuff. Uh-huh. And then I said, you know what, like, this might be something that I can do. I called my financial advisor up and I'd been talking to my wife about it. Cause I said, this decision that I make is going to be for the family. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask for permission. Cause I don't know about you, JP, but I made decisions for the family. And it's just like, I know what I'm doing. This is a sure shot. Mm-hmm. It's going to win. It's my career. I, I'm, I'm going to take it. And I didn't really ask for permission. So this yeah. time around, I did. And I said, I called the financial advisor and I said, I want to go out on my own. Uh, uh, can you talk to my wife? <laughs> you know, she's she's not big on risk. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, tell her how much money we have saved, what kind of runway we have <laughs> before it's going right. to run out. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, we'll take it from there. So he came over, he, uh, he talked to her about it. And, uh, I, I said, y'all talk. I'm, I went back in my office is one that I'm standing in right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I continued to work on my business plan based on the information that my buddy had given me. Cause I was kind of all in. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to go do all that other stuff and I can just do it myself as a broker. That's and, great. um, they called me back into the, um, the dining room where they were sitting and I, my wife smiled at me. And my financial advisor gave me a thumbs up. I gave him a fist bump and I went back in my office and I started <laughs> working again. And, uh, and that's, um, and then two weeks later, uh, I think it was. So yeah, no, about a week later, I hit, uh, Matt Ishbia up in, uh, LinkedIn in a direct message. And I didn't expect him to like contact me back or anything. And I said, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like midnight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I, I, I said, I, you know, I'd heard that, you know, y'all have, uh, you know, you're helping brokers get set up, you know, can you point me in the right direction? Cause I knew he wasn't going to be the one to do it for me. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, 10 minutes, 10 minutes later, JP, after I, uh, I did that, he reached back out to me and connected me with someone at UWM. Yep. They talked to me about it. Two weeks later, I'm at the AIM conference in uh, in Vegas and, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even have a name for the business or anything like that. And uh, the day of, I got the name registered and everything. And I've been a broker ever since. And this was uh, back uh, uh, September-ish or so, um, mm-hmm. uh, 2018. Yeah, I, I mean, I love those stories because it's kind of the same type of path. I'm, I'm a type of guy that likes to go, go, go. And then you kind of get bored no matter what level you're at. Not saying you were bored, but I'm like, I didn't see something right where, where I was at. And I kind of just want to break it all down and put it all on my own back. Um, I got to remember if I asked my wife or not, uh, and I'm appreciating <laughs> input, but what, what would you have done if she said no? That's the only question I want to know. And- I would have had, I'd have had to go to work. Cause it, you, you know, <laughs> like you, you don't want to live with the fact, like, I don't know, like I told you so or not, but uh, uh-huh. I probably would have kept lobbying to do it, but sure, uh, sure. you know, like, like not to sound arrogant or anything, but JP, you know, like, you know. if, if things fall off a cliff for us today, you, you know that the both of us can go get a job somewhere mm-hmm. tomorrow morning. They'll hire mm-hmm. us as a loan officer at another company because we have experience, some, you know, book of business and mm-hmm. things like that. So we can get a job. So it was just like for me, I was telling her, like, we can be patient. Like, we have a little bit of money saved. Um, but, like, don't make me go out there and just go 
do something that I, I don't really want to do right now. Let, let, let's let's put some time and energy and effort in thinking about how this is going to work out. So I, I guess if she would have said no, I would have probably, I, I didn't, I definitely would have had a rebuttal to try to find a way <laughs> right, to right, right. overcome the objection. But worst case to keep, keep uh, sane in the household, I would have just gone and, 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 and did what you had to do corporate. Yeah. Stayed in retail yeah. and work for another company. Yeah, but I mean, from from a, a creative standpoint, from controlling your own destiny standpoint, I, I I mean, this is this is a spot, right? I mean, you have no regrets, I would think. No, do you know the regret that I have? I do. I want to know that I didn't do it sooner. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't do yeah. it like years ago when I mm-hmm. thought about it. I just didn't, JP. I I didn't without like c- connecting with my friend that did it without connecting mm-hmm. with. Matt Ishbia to connect me to find out more without mm-hmm. going to that conference at AIM. I didn't know it was attainable. Like I mm-hmm. thought I had to have a billion dollars saved. I thought mm-hmm. I had to have all these servers and places and enterprise mm-hmm. systems that I was used to managing and seeing at these other companies. Right. Um, and I thought that your relationships had to be so amazing to get access to these lenders that, mm-hmm. that it was something that I needed to, to spend five, 10 more years in doing um mm-hmm. and so yeah i just uh the biggest regret that i guess i would have looking back in hindsight is that why didn't you do this sure. a lot sooner than you did right well we didn't know and it was a different time i think it was a good timing um yeah my i mean my quick story is uh it was it was 20 g's from a heloc off my house we used to own i just threw it in a business account got signed up and and if anyone's looking to start out there uh you don't need as much capital as you think you do. Um, That's right. So that was me, 20, 20 G's, and and that was it. And um, and we just we just me and my brother started going, and we've grown a bit. Um, I, I guess a good question would be is for someone that's that's on that that edge of starting their own little shop. Maybe they're a loan officer. Maybe they're in a a corporate position like yourself. Uh, what's something that you would tell them? that maybe get them over the edge, you know, or tell them not to like, what are some good or bad things? I think, I think you, um, not, not everybody. So anybody, not anybody, but lots of people can do sales, right. And lots Mm -hmm. of people can be a loan officer, but I think as a broker, there's a certain level of, uh, sort of like business acumen you need to have. Mm -hmm. I think there's a certain level of, uh, organization that you have and skills is a certain skill set you have to have to be a Mm -hmm. broker because you are running a business, right? Mm -hmm. You have a profit and loss to determine how much money you're making versus how much you're spending. You got to know that compliance is important and, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to look at things like that. So, um, I would say, um, use your relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, it's super important to get into this uh, this uh, uh, wholesale channel is use your relationships because I didn't originate like I was I didn't originate from 20 probably 20 the end of 2015 mm-hmm. through 2018 so almost three years yeah, that's a long time um, out of it yeah yeah but thank God man I I still uh, uh, was had people on drip campaigns for emails and stuff mm-hmm. I was still texting and emailing and having conversations with people. Mm-hmm. So it was a little easier for me because I did have a database when I got started back sure. up and I still had relationships that I had before. So I think um, um, I would I would tell people just you have to tap into really your relationships because mm-hmm. your relationships are going to lead the way to tell you kind of what you need to do, because 
I, you know, I could have gone online and kind of done the research, but I was able to get me personally, I was able to get through a lot faster because I had people like kind of pointing me in the right direction and telling me where, you know, what to think about, who to talk to about it, and then what resources to use to get there. Yeah, it's it's so key. I mean, we'll tell a client looking to buy a house. I tell them all the time, do not read the internet. You know, talk to me, talk to to my team. We're going to have the truth about this. So I totally agree. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people will say, you know, put some money in the bank and just start grinding or what. Now use uh, people that you know that you trust and trust them that they're going to point you in the right direction. And I hope that's yeah. kind of what we're doing here with the with the podcast, you know, trying to get some real information to help you do it. Um, yeah, no, it's been real. Your podcast, uh, what you what you all been doing has been really helpful because while, while I was sidelined, even before the podcast started, I think Mark used to do these Q&A sessions mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I'm looking on my iPad like I can look on there. I, I would go through and kind of dissect all those mm-hmm. and pull out notes. And then I would use those notes to kind of help me uh, go through the business and such. You know, JP, yeah. you do need money. I mean, you you, sure. you you know that. Like, that's why uh-huh. you did what you did to start your business. Uh-huh. But like, you know, for, for like I said, for me, like the relationships, I've never accomplished anything great in life without a relationship. Mm-hmm. That That's all our business is anyway. So. There it is. Julian will cut that up. It's that's going to be a whole piece right there about relationships. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> um, I want to know more about Fortis though. Like how how are you guys set up? So it's you. How many employees do you have? How big are you to put it in perspective? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So I, I wish you know we were bigger, but I started out like with uh, laying the foundation first. So it started mm-hmm. off me in 2018. Unfortunately, the state that I do the most business. We do the most business. Um, uh, it took about six months to get yeah. licensed uh, there. And so uh, so at the time, it was just myself. And I said, you know, I was going to process my own loan so that I could learn how to do it. Yep. Yeah. Two loans later, I was scrambling, <laughs> searching for a contract processor. Yeah. Right. And so I did that for a while. And then there was a uh, uh, an account executive that I had. And I used to work with her a lot. And then one day I called and they're like, you know, we need to transfer her to you. And she was sitting in, I guess, like it was a customer service department. So she's like, it was very stressful. She stepped down and she was doing that. And I'm like, she's like, I'm not really happy and I'm not making much money. And I'm just like, well, you know, I don't know. Call me if you want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we ended up um, uh, hiring her. And so that was my first hire outside of my mom. My mom retired from the uh, hotel industry for, she was in there for 31 years. Okay, uh, was a general manager and uh-huh. stuff. And so she retired. And so, uh, so she's my executive assistant. So nice. to name my players, it's myself. Uh, my mother works with us and she's the executive assistant bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to her. She just got, uh, uh certified to do uh, QuickBooks. Like she's actually certified. Oh, nice. She nice. Went through a training in the class and stuff. So she's excited about that. Um, we have, uh, JP, the way we work things is a front end system okay. and a back end system. So from, from, uh, pre-approval to application. Our team, we have a team that works on that part. And then from okay. application to close, we have a team that works on that back end piece. Mm-hmm. And so everything mm-hmm. we do is um, high touch. Um, we use technology in a big way, but it's um, it's also humanizing the experience with phone calls yeah. and emails and videos and touches and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, then I have a, uh, uh, we brought on a junior loan officer to help me with the book of business that I had because it was crazy because folks started coming out of the woodworks because oh, yeah. I didn't realize that, you know, they were kind of 
liking to work with me back when I was originating and mm -hmm. they wanted to, you know, and they were, they just poured into my story and, you know, people support, you know, sure. a good story. And so uh, we had a, uh, a, a junior loan officer or a team loan officer that helped with my book of business. And then last year we added um, a, uh, a brand new loan officer from a totally new industry, got licensed and uh, uh, she's been here for about six months. And uh, on our back end system, uh, you know, it's a lot of bad things that happened through the pandemic, JP, you know, yeah. people getting sick, dying, losing their jobs, things of that nature, just a lot going on bad. Mm -hmm. But one of the good things that happened for us is uh, um, one of my old clients is a teacher and um, she's been in education forever. And I saw one day on LinkedIn, she said, I don't usually do this, but um, I'm, uh, I want to put my resume out there because I'm looking for a new opportunity. So uh, she, she got out of education. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, she's got three kids and mm -hmm. uh, um, it was going to be tough for her to go into the classroom and teach, yeah. and, um, be exposed to COVID and stuff with the kids and all that stuff. And so she decided that she wanted to get out. So I contacted her and I said, listen, I, I don't really know how I can help you, but you can look mm -hmm. through my LinkedIn. If you see anybody in here that I can connect you with, just let me know. Give me your resume. I'll float it around. And I said, well, you know, uh, for selfish reasons, you know. I'd love to have you, but I don't think I can afford you. And she said, try me. <laughs> <laughs> and then so. the next thing I, I know, JP, she's, uh, she's working with us and, uh, um, it's been a Great. really cool, cool dynamic. So I don't know, what is that? Six people, including myself, yeah. seven, seven people. And so just on the origination side has been, uh, up until now, um, I call it my business. But it's mm -hmm. been my relationships and circle of influence that's bringing that business in, and I've been mo mostly a solopreneur. But the goal uh, and what we're we're radically focused on now is adding more players to the team so that we mm -hmm. can grow and I can get out of the businesses, you know, kind of work more on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it it's funny. It's I mean, we're we have six people. Um, I like where we're at. I think, uh, and I used to call it my business as well, but now I have to catch myself all the time, kind of going back to what you said and. I say we a lot more because the hussy team, you know, that's, that's not me anymore. Like that's actually everyone here. And, and I love the fact that, I mean, everyone in, that works here has no mortgage uh, uh, experience either. Um, like you said, you have a teacher, you have your mom who is in a, uh, uh, what do you call hotel? Uh, but like hospitality, hospitality. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't those be the best people in an industry where you're just constantly teaching people and have to be nice to them. You have to, you know, give the right hospitality and customer service. I mean, it makes total sense to me, you know, yeah. that's kind of the same kind of blueprint that it might be a little bit harder to teach people. It might be a little bit more ramp up, but I think those, those type of people are the best. Then I hate to say it's someone that's been in mortgages, you know, 20 years, you can't teach a old dog, new tricks type thing. So I like doing it that way. If you have some time, I recommend doing it the same way that maybe I did and you did Sean just because it's more, uh, more real and authentic and you can bring out the best in people. That's my opinion as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. So if we go in a little bit deeper, I have a couple of things I have to ask you here. Um, you talked about tech. The one thing uh, that I've said, and I think you were touching on, I think you'll agree with is with all the good tech out there, people have always said, Oh, what's everything's going to be robots. We're, there's not going to be an LO anymore. That's not how I see it either. It's using the right tech to free up the good communicators time so they can communicate properly back to the, to the client, the consumer, right? 
So I like to call it personalized automation, right? Um, I think that's what you're getting at with some of the tech that you have where you're, it, it's there, but it's not just pushing them to the tech. It allows you to communicate better, in my opinion, personalized as well. Can you touch on some of that and what how, how your setup is? Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that. That's uh, uh I call it simplify and humanize. Okay, yeah. So like humanizing the mortgage experience is what mm -hmm. we what we talk about. And so I have similar tech stacks to lots of people that have um that you know that you've interviewed and, and been on the show and that are in our industry. But like, you know, when you use technology, lots of times people don't know how to use it. Like my mom works with us and mm -hmm. she's uh she's uh 31 years that she was doing this and she didn't use have to use tech in the way that we uh necessarily had to use it mm -hmm. so lots of times we'll, we'll have all these technologies and stuff that we ask people to use and even our teams to use and sometimes they don't even really understand how to use it right and they don't understand what it all means and so you're throwing this stuff at them and they're trying to figure out how to make it work mm -hmm. right and so what we found is is that we can do more by communicating better Mm -hmm. um, to people. So when we send out these milestone alerts, it's not just an email that goes to them. Uh, it's a video mm -hmm. that also mm -hmm. goes, right? Mm -hmm. And there's personalized stuff that maybe will pop into a bomb bomb or a loom or whatever it might be. And we'll go through that closing disclosure directly there specific yeah. to them. Mm -hmm. Like when we use like a, 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 we use mortgage coach. Yeah. Yeah. But anything that you might use to uh, send out a loan estimate, for instance, will actually go through that with them so that mm -hmm. what it does is maybe it takes a little time on the front end, but we don't have to deal with it on the back end answer, yeah. answering a whole bunch of questions. And so mm -hmm. um, for, for, for us, the technology piece um, is super important and we do it tech for everything because we feel like um, uh, it's very efficient, uh, mm -hmm. JP, but mm -hmm. we also feel like that that whole human element uh, separates us from a lot of people and that experience that people get with us, mm -hmm. they remember it. And so one of the things I'm really proud of is that when we get uh, uh, reviews, like on Google or wherever we get the reviews, they're all pretty consistent. Nice. Like the people actually go on there and instead of writing one-liners, they, they write a paragraph or so about their entire experience. They name people in there. They mm -hmm. talk about the fact that we yeah. give them personalized videos and things of that nature and what we did through it um, and how efficient that we made the process. And so that's for us something that's super important. Yeah, we use the tech to make it fast and quick and efficient, but we also give that human touch to let you know that we kind of care about you and it's a family experience. And like, uh, you know, I came on here before and I talked about Nordstrom. And so like buying at a department store that has someone that's sort of like a mm -hmm. concierge. So, uh, so, mm -hmm. so that that's, you know, we could talk more about the tech stack, but that's how we use technology. That makes sense. Yeah. We don't have to get too deep on that, but that's how you're using tech. And I think that's what I wanted to get across to people that people get caught up of trying to have this crazy tech stack so they don't have to do anything. Right. I think some people will get lazy with just having a big tech stack. No, you got to have the right tech there to be able to allow you to communicate uh, uh, specialized and customized to clients too. Like it's gotta be, people feel it. People know if you're just throwing them off, people are smarter than you think, right? Um, so putting in that work and not just being lazy with tech, using the tech to actually enhance the experience. So I just wanted to get that point across and I think you nailed it. Thank you. Yeah, um, all right, a couple things. So we have about 10 minutes or so left. 
Um, I always ask two questions at the end. You can put your ET motivational hat on if you want right here. Sean. I don't, I'm I don't not a motivational speaker, though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot, but I always ask like like a newer LO or someone that wants to reinvent themselves because you did. You didn't produce for three years. You had to get back in the game, right? So what's one or two things that that you could tell someone that needs to kick in the butt or if they got to reinvent themselves? Um. I, I just uh man just don't just don't like overthink it, uh-huh. um you know like sometimes we get into the fact of trying to overthink it in this business in the mortgage industry and it it's it's sad to say we just you can have a playbook to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um but there's really not a a, a certain playbook that's going to win every single time right. Mm-hmm. So you have to just be adaptable. Like you have to adapt to the situation. You got to know, I feel like why you're doing it, like what's the reasons and the purposes for what you're doing. And just kind of like, just, just, just follow that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like you talked, you know, I talked about earlier, my friend in the blue suede shoes, like relating to that conversation, you know, I, I just knew I wanted to help as many people as I possibly could. And the money would come, like I could make a lot of money the more people that I would help. So I would tell people to focus on, uh, you know, focus on the people first. Yeah. Um, people come first and then the money's going to always come. The money's going to follow. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then just don't overthink it like it's mm-hmm. uh, it's deep, but it, it's really not not that deep. You just got to yeah. have a plan and put some processes and procedures in place and then just go follow it and uh, be OK with with messing up because we will mess up. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, just forgive yourself, ask for forgiveness, and then just press on. So uh, I don't know. That's that's, you know, I I was afraid you were gonna ask me that question. I knew you would <laughs> because you because because you always do. But I don't have anything deep and profound to say about it besides you know what I said. Yeah, uh, no, uh, I'm with you. If if we're gonna go back to basketball a bit, a basketball analogy, um, uh, and this kind of hits on your point is we started coaching our kids this year, and uh, we have about six or seven plays, you know, with different names. Um, and then they were calling them, they're running it every time down the court. Eventually we're like, man, they're turning into robots a bit. They're, they're overthinking it. And then we said, we're not running nothing. Go play basketball, just play basketball. Right. So if we're going to, like you said, don't overthink it. There is like, you can have a playbook, but that's not how it's going to go. Sometimes you just have to go out there and just have to play ball. Like you just have to grind a bit and just do what feels comfortable and go with it. You know, yep. so yep. I, I, that's a, I think that's what you're trying to get at. Last question. You know, I'm going to I'm going to ask it here. So where do you see the industry, whether real estate mortgage in the next three to five years? Where do you see the, see it going? Um, what, what, I, what I've been seeing lately is everybody jockeying for position, which we've been doing for a while. Folks, uh, I, I'm 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 thinking in our, our industry, what I hope that happens <laughs> is that the client comes to us first. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, it, it's, it's, it baffles me, and that that the customer, which they don't know because they're looking JP for this thing, they want to buy this thing, this house, right? Mm-hmm. And they know in order to get this thing, this house, they have to go to that person that can actually sell it to them, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously, what we fail to realize is that they have to get money from somewhere. So unless yeah. you have a trust fund and you can go get cashier's check or whatever it might be from that fund mm-hmm. or whatnot, or whatever you're going to use, you have to borrow the money to, uh, to, to get the house. And so mm-hmm. 
what I what I think is going to happen is is we're going to still be scrapping with everybody to try to figure out how to get to this customer first, right? Mm-hmm. So that we can control the situation. What I'm seeing is that real estate companies and such they're actually now trying to be one-stop shops, mm-hmm. right? Like so, these you know, so a lot of these real estate companies are trying to bring everything in-house um, to give customers a reason to and clients a reason to come to them first and mm-hmm. to keep everything in control of it in-house. Um, but what I see is that those that um, uh, invest in education, right? That invest mm-hmm. in educating the consumer. Um, and, and, and showing people that they care and telling more stories and being fair um, in the way that they, they, they treat these clients, those are the people that are going to continue to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that branding is going to be super important so that, mm-hmm. you know, when, when uh, because people are still going to want that human touch. I don't care what anybody says. Like, we just talked about it. Like, yeah, you have the greatest tech stack in the world, but there's going to be a time where the tech breaks. There's going to be a time where someone doesn't understand the tech and they want to have someone that they can talk to and relate to that understands their story. Um, but I really feel like the consumers are going to get a little bit, a lot more emotional in the way that they make decisions mm-hmm. moving forward. And it's going to be a lot based on their emotions. Uh, uh, I think price is going to matter a lot too as well. So margins are going to mm-hmm. get thinner, keep getting thinner because we're trying to support these people and we have to have, you know, these clients, and we're going to have to add people uh, mm-hmm. in there to do so. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that, um, you know, we, we will have more opportunities, but I think that, you know, the, the margins are going to definitely compress. So um, the, the, the biggest thing that I, I, like I said, that I see is everybody's going to be in a mad scramble and a big fight, in my opinion, to, uh, to get to the customer first. Um, it's tough to compete against some of these bigger shops to do that. But I think if we use our databases and go deeper in that, um, mm-hmm. that's going to be a good way for you know guys like us that are trying to grow our companies and that will grow our companies uh, to uh, to compete. Hey, we will. Uh, small business is coming back. Consumers want to support the small business. Um, you're seeing it more. Yeah. Uh, they're smarter. I hate saying this line, but consumers are smarter than we give them credit for. Sometimes they're sniffing it out. They get it. They want someone they can trust. They want to help other people out. They want to work with someone as a team. They want to have be, we have to be advisors and, and care about the client. So I think everything you said today on this podcast is, is the right direction, in my opinion, if I can give you any validation. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, sir. I appreciate cool. that, man. It's been well, fun. Thank, yeah. Thanks for talking. If you need anything, always hit me up. I, I hope I can do the same with you. Uh, and I hope I get to, you know, uh, I don't think we've met, but officially meet at some point maybe we have yeah, yeah i don't think we have jp um what's your handicap i see you're a big uh, time golfer all right so uh my handicap's my swing that's what i say no I'm no cool, cool joke. man now i'm like a six or a seven i'm literally leaving after this call with you to go pick up new irons i got new pxgs i'm gonna try them out pxg huh yeah I try that's that's huge man that's awesome good for you so, we'll see what about you I play a little bit. I'm uh right now. I'm probably a, a like a, a six thousand handicap. I'm just kidding. But like when I play and I get to play, I'm like a anywhere between eleven to thirteen. Okay. Good. So like I, you know, I'll break ninety. I'll break eighty like huh? once every every huh? two years or something like that. Yeah. But uh, but I I can get around the guys that play with me. They really like to play because I I just I play quick. I take yeah, one practice swing and just hit the ball. Huh? Yeah. So, Too much to yeah. think about. 
I'm with you. Yeah, we had a good month, so I got new clubs, and I just ordered off of StockX. I got these Jordan 5 Lowe's golf shoes, black <laughs> with the blue. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be looking fresh. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Thanks for everything, man. I appreciate it. Keep yeah, up man. the good work, sir. Yeah, good luck, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Yeah, peace. Brokers, are you looking for the best resources to succeed? The AIM member portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Get health care for your team. Submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues. Join the referral list. Change AEs and obtain exclusive discounts. And you will have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait and sign up today at brokersarebetter.com.